Hello, hello, it's Joy Foster and I am the founder of Tech Fixies and I'm delighted to be joined today by Hannah Martin, the founder of Talented Ladies Club. Now, Hannah, I think, uh, was one of the very first guests that I ever had on the Sparkle and Thrive podcast, so it is wonderful to have her back on, uh, particularly around this topic that we we're talking about this month, which is earn what you're worth. So we've got a whole series on earn what you're worth, and I'm getting a bunch of very successful ladies to talk us to us about moments in time when they realized they weren't earning what they were worth and how they changed it. So Hannah, welcome back to the Sparkle and Thrive podcast. Hi, Joy. I'm really happy to be back. Thank you for having me. Well, it's wonderful to connect with you again. I know it's in lockdown. It's much more fun to connect in real life. The last time we saw each other, we, we actually had lunch together. <laughs> yeah, lunch and wine. Yeah, I think we had champagne, exactly. So now we have to, you know, Zoom and, and StreamYard have to suffice. Um, but I've, you know, I've known about you for a long time. We, um, when we first set up Tech Pixies, we used to do returnships and women who came to our program would run our social media channels. And one of the women, uh, loved your stuff. So you had a lot of articles in the early days. Um, and we used to share your articles all the time on our feeds because they was, they resonated so much with our audience. So talk to us about Talented Ladies Club and how that's changed over the years, how you got started in business, uh, and what, what you're doing now. Okay, gosh. Okay, I'll try and start seven years really quickly. So, um, or seven and a half now. Um, I started TLC oh, seven and a half years ago, but the idea started formulating about 10 years ago um, when I my daughter was a little baby. And, and I realized how many women there were that had had successful careers and then had children and were really struggling, struggling to find any kind of work, let alone work that they were qualified for and enjoyed and were paid well for. I'm quite a resourceful person. So I'd managed, I worked in advertising agencies in London, like all the big agencies. And then when I was pregnant with my daughter, I started working from home, but I managed to kind of kind of changed what I did slightly. So I, I was still really busy. I, I was a really busy freelancer working from home. Um, and I wanted to help other women have the same thing that I, I'd found. And a lot of my friends didn't. And when I researched at the time, like what was around online as inspiration and advice for mothers, there was just nothing. Like the, it was sort of the, the general accepted wisdom was you may have had a career, but now you'll be lucky if you can stuff envelopes or work in Tesco on the till. It was that kind of thing. Um, and everything was just very kind of pink and very kind of particular, like how it spoke to women. And it didn't talk to me or my friends. Um, so I, I created TLC because I thought that I really wanted to inspire and empower mothers. And I really wanted them to help unlock their potential and not give up on the, the, the professional dreams they had. But also, like, I mean, when I had my son, who's now like nearly 18, so that's a long time ago, um, when I was working in London, I went back to work and I, I hired an au pair and I didn't didn't really do any of the mothering. I never took him to his first day at school. I didn't see his first steps. Um, and I wanted there to be a, something in between, like giving up motherhood and being professional or giving up your profession and being a mother. And I felt that there was there was definitely I'd find a middle ground and I wanted to help women do that. So hence TLC. When I first started it, sort of in line with the topic of this of this podcast, I had no idea how it's going to make money. I just felt a real drive and a passion for, for making this real. So we built it and we worked really hard at it. Um, it never lost money. Um, so so like it, it always broke even and made a little bit more, but it certainly didn't pay for at that time. My friend Carrie was working on it with me. It didn't pay the hours that, that we put into it by any. So were you paying yourself at this point? 
No, no, no. I, I, my, my freelance work paid for me. Um, yeah. And the business was like, you know, an expensive hobby, you know, like we put a lot of time in it. And I loved it. And for initially, that was fine, because I was so fueled by passion. and I was so fueled by the vision of what I wanted it to achieve. And it did really well in terms of achieving our vision. But um, about three years in, um, it got to the end of the year, and I'd bought one of those workbooks, you know, where you kind of evaluate your year and kind of where you'd got to. And I was at that time, I was feeling really, um, really heavy. And in fact, you know, th this workbook said, oh, you know, give yourself a name for the year that's passed and give yourself a, a, like a word for it and a word for the year to come. And I just felt heavy in every sense. I just felt that I was becoming resentful of the time I was putting in. My relationships felt hard work. Everything mm -hmm. felt just really difficult. And I realized how difficult it was putting the hours in and not getting anything back. Mm -hmm. And, you know, sometimes business repay you with your love for it and your and your vision. But that only goes to a certain degree. At some point, it's got to pay you money. Yeah, you, um, can't, you can't go to Sainsbury's and <laughs> pay with love. <laughs> you can't, exactly. I know. And it, and it is like, you know, when you do start your own enterprise, you you do that passion will get you a certain certain place but i now know that actually you should always have a financial vision as well as part of that um and so i decided that so the word for the year before was heavy and my word for the year ahead was going to be light i wanted to be lighter in all senses i wanted to be happy i wanted to be happy my relationships and um and so i focused on that and that was really the turning point to tlc making money i resolved that I would have to get help because I didn't know the, the, the kind of the, the path towards that. And actually, I went to a conference about four months later as a speaker at the conference. And another another person who was a speaker there went on stage. And I knew when I heard her talk that I wanted her to coach me. So I got in touch. And that was the first time I, I, I got a proper business coach. And that was the thing that ultimately changed it. The, having so changing your mindset you know changing the way you thought about the the word light and have and, and knowing that you wanted things to change and then getting a coach yeah I mean the, the lightness started before that I just so in so from like the first of January I found things that because my and I think it could be really hard when you when you start a business and it's that butterfly effect and things are, are difficult, it kind of rolls out to every area of your life. You know, you kind of take that mindset, that attitude to everything and everything feels difficult and everything feels um, tiring. And you don't, you kind of like, think, oh, if I spend more time on it, if I put more effort into it, it'll work. And you can't just put more time and effort in something that's not working. That's not going to, that's not going to change it. Um, so what I did in January is I found the things in my life that made me happy. And so first of all, it was that mindset switch for I deserve to be happy. And I'm going to pursue things that bring me joy, which I did. And that literally started to make me feel lighter. Um, and then kind of freed me up to say yes to more opportunities. So rather than saying no to things because I was like, oh, I haven't got the time for it. Is yet something else to do. I was like, well, no, I'm going to embrace this. I'm going to like be happy and do it, which led me to agreeing to be a speaker and, and to meeting my first coach. Amazing. Okay, now I think this is really important because we've got a lot of ladies right now who are considering joining the program. Uh, and I mean, by the time this goes on the podcast, they will have already made a decision whether or not they want to. Um, and I think when people are making a decision about whether or not they want to work with a coach, you know, they're trying to decide, is it worth the money? And, and I think uh, one thing you and I have both done is invested very heavily in our mm -hmm. own uh, co in coaches for ourselves. Um, and I know for me that when I started investing in 
coaching and invested in, in learning how to do the business that I do, that's when things changed for me, partly because they helped me change my mindset. Um, I mean, have you, you don't have to tell us how much, but have you, you've also invested heavily in coaching for yourself yes. and has, have you seen a, a return on investment? Absolutely. I mean, every single coach I've looked at how much I spent. So the first coach I hired, um, so she was 800 pounds a month. And at that time, Tantalus Club was not earning £800 a month. Now, I've always been good with money. So the money that it had earned, I'd kept in the business. So the savings were there to pay for her for a certain amount of time. And I was fully confident that that she would enable the business to make money. And, and it did. So initially, when I first hired her, I, our balance sheet went into the red in terms of monthly, monthly turnover, um, you know, like profit loss. But within a couple of months, things started to change. And it was literally that kind of hockey stick curve. Because once you implement, once I implemented it, it started going up. And every single coach that I've had since, because coaches, I find coaches tend to have an area of expertise. So I'll work with a coach on, on one particular area. And then um, I might work with another coach on something else. Every single coach has cost me, I've spent thousands on each coach. But each coach has delivered far more financially to my business. Not always in the short term. Sometimes it's immediate. More often it's not. Like I can look back three years on and say, you know, I might have spent 10 grand on them, but I've got 60 back as, as a direct response, a direct result of the work they've done. Um, so yeah, absolutely. You should always measure the return on investment. And what I will say is, I mean, you'll probably know this. There's a real glut at the moment of coaches. The coaching world has exploded and a lot of them out there aren't, you know, what I would call serious business coaches. And, and there's a lot of people out there. And I think it's quite hard for people to tell the difference because I think the less ethical people sell a, a lifestyle fantasy then it isn't actually what they themselves are living often um, and certainly isn't necessarily what you can attain um, so it is hard but I definitely like you I totally would always um, recommend business coaching. Well, interestingly enough, I think one of the magical pieces, and this you do this too. I think you you you're also a course creator, so you you have courses. Um, and one of the things that I think what we found is very powerful at Tech Pixies is this combination of supportive community and then the neuro-based coaching. So we now have neuro-based coaching in our program, and then the skill set. So the mm -hmm. actual learning of something. And, you know, that's the curriculum. And what we find is if you have the curriculum, but you don't have the coaching and you don't have the support, you're not going to go as far. Mm -hmm. uh, if you have the support and the coaching, but you don't have the actual skills to implement, you're not going to go so far. So it's that yeah. there's a very powerful combination in community, you know, the three C's, community coaching and curriculum, having all three of those things coming together. And I know for sure the 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 programs I've done where those three things have been there, um, I've seen massive improvement. Mm -hmm. The other thing too, for me, when I've hired a, when I've joined a course or a program um, is what I tend to do is I will, I'll do one and then they'll, in their program, they'll talk about someone that helped them. And then I'll go and do the program, you know, that, you know, that they, that they learned from. And then I'll find out that they learned from that person. And you end up going on this trail of, you know, working with five or six different people who all learned from each other and who all brought different things to the table. Mm -hmm. But you, I can trust them because I know, like you said, I think you have to look, is this person actually successful? 
you know, at what they're doing? Uh, how do they actually know what it's like to build a business? Do they actually know what it's like to run a social media account? Do they actually know what it's like to do X, Y, Z? And if they do know how to do those things and you trust them, that's that no like and trust factor, you know, then it's, it's worth investing in. Um, so talk about how you went from kind of being a blog, which is what you started out as uh, a written blog mm -hmm. uh, to, to what you are now and talk about the, you know, how you made that decision. And, and also I know you talked about working with a coach and that's how you started realizing that you needed to change things. But what was the change that you made in your business that it went from being something that wasn't paying you to being something that you were being paid for? Okay. So, um, in terms of the, the 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 second part of your question, it was definitely that first coach that I hired, and you know, like she, she had a great turn phrase. So all the coaches I've used are not well known. They're not online gurus. You're not going to see them kind of like on Instagram, you know, in um, infinity pools talking about working on their holiday. They are like people with real business um, backgrounds. Um, but she had a great turn of phrase, and she'd call me out on the things I was doing to kind of. I was afraid of sales. I was, as she put it, hiding my bananas. I love that expression. She was like, she would say to me, like, you know, you've got um, you've got this this shop and you want to sell bananas, but you're hiding your bananas. You've got to bring them out to the front and go, everyone, buy my bananas. <laughs> um, so I so in terms of how coaching helped, I mean, and definitely she had practical strategies that we would work on. But I would say the, the biggest thing is she made me sales focused. She made me unashamed of sales. She made me comfortable with sales. And she made me aware of pricing and how, you know, what real pricing was versus, you know, the way we all the mistakes we make when we, when, and like you said, when you started out, we talked earlier, how we price without understanding the strategy. And we always price too low um yes i love i always say expression I, I tell people i work with don't hide your bananas <laughs> um but in terms of how i we got there with tlc so we started as a blog about a year into it i realized that actually i wanted to help women take that next practical step on it was all well and good kind of talking to them in theory about everything they need to do to start a business but i could see from my own journey what that process was and what worked for me and what didn't work for me and i wanted to share that with other people so i started planning first of all this huge ambitious business course um and then I realized that actually it was just going to take like forever to put together in the way that I wanted. I didn't really have the skill set to deliver it in the way I wanted. So the first thing I did, I created a membership program with an awful name. I called it Activate, which sounds like some kind of cream you buy from a chemist. <laughs> and I realized like for a copywriter, I'm really bad at naming things. <laughs> um, so anyway, I started this thing called Activate, which I think was about £10 a month. Um, and I made a massive mistake that I, I later renamed it as rebranded it as kickstart. But um, what I did, I, I, I put like it was a monthly thing. So you paid like 10 or 15 pounds a month, depending on when you joined it. And you had access to like over like 120 workbooks and amazing stuff in there. And like I actually had one woman who joined it and she joined it and left after a month and just said, I've downloaded all 120 pounds of your workbooks and I, I paid 15 pounds and now I'm leaving. And she said, I just want you to know it's brilliant, but you make it's a really bad business model. <laughs> at that time I was quite stubborn and I was like, no, this is what I'm going to do. And I stuck with it. And of course, you know, people, people were quite savvy and they were like, oh, you know, we can join this, you know, and I, and I priced it way too cheaply. I would do mm -hmm. like, I would give people one hour one-to-ones. I, you know, like it was massively undervalued. Um, 
but I, you know, I've learned from there. And so, you know, I've really built my, built my courses up from that point and, you know, learning all the things that when I work with people, I teach them, you know, I always say to people, never feel ashamed about a mistake because I've made way more than you will ever make. And every mistake that I call you out on, I've done myself. So there's no shame in making mistakes. The biggest shame actually for me is not doing something like thinking oh, I'd love to start a business I want to go freelance and not trying it there's not taking more, action yeah there's, there's more shame in that trying it and failing or trying it and making mistakes there's no shame in that at all I don't um, know I think your name was right you know activate the action like just go and yeah, do like it there was, yeah like I mean like, it, it you know was descriptive but it just wasn't sexy it just wasn't <laughs> Um, okay, but I, well, let me circle back to something you were talking about earlier because this is so important. Like, so you obviously got the pricing wrong, you got the value wrong, you got the product wrong. You know, <laughs> I love it. I love it. And people need to hear this, you know. And I think that these podcasts, if you're listening to this podcast, the, in this Earn You What You're Worth series, I am only talking to women who've made it, right? I'm not talking to women who are in the, they're in the trenches trying to figure it out. These gals have gone through it. And they're come out the other side, okay? So this, what I love about Hannah is she's telling you all her mistakes, but that's what led to the success. Hmm. So, so you're making these mistakes with pricing, making mistakes with the product. How? What? So, so what did you do? Um, I also there's one more mistake that everyone makes as well that I made with this, and I and I just missed out my middle of funnel. I did that classic thing where I knew I had a great product. I knew it was priced too cheaply. In fact, I now know that's too cheap. Um, and I just thought, oh, I'm going to tell people about it. They're going to buy it. Like, I just totally missed out the whole middle of the funnel section. Um, so what did I do? I mean, I, I, you know, it, even from there, like, it, it wasn't instant. Like, that wasn't a, now I made that mistake, suddenly I'm a millionaire. You know, that was a, um, it was still kind of like, I mean, I was still co two coaches away from, really financially making it like consistent income so like I'd, you know that first coach was great she set me on the right path I understood about marketing and sales I understood about pricing TLC was already making more money um, and then I decided I wanted to kind of work more on API I wanted to be so I was like get my bananas out <laughs> really really sell my bananas so I thought oh I'm gonna work with a PR coach so I worked with a PR coach next and actually she turned out to be a much better sales coach than she did no PR with me whatsoever, but she was brilliant at sales. And she was the first one that got me to create like a really significant coaching product. I like, you know, like let's put something together that is, and that was the VIP club that I launched, I think about two years, just over two years ago, where, you know, I work with women over six months. It's a significant, it's a significant investment. Um, and, and that worked really well. And I loved the program and the women on it, like had, the, and it's really interesting. And you probably find this tech pixies. You'll work with some people who will do everything you say and they will really try. They'll have faith, even if it's uncomfortable for them. They will trust you and they'll do it. And then they work with some people who they'll do some of it, but they'll kind of like, they won't do it all. They'll like, oh, I'm not really sure about that. And, and I've, I've realized that the people who have the really spectacular success are the ones who, and I do this with coaching, even if I don't, if I don't believe it, I thought, I ha I'm paying you money and I'm paying you money because I trust you. So I'm going to believe you and do it. So the people who go outside their comfort zone and really embrace the process are the ones that get results. And, and I, you know, and I had that, you know, with the, with the VIP club, the ones that, you know, that, that really embrace the progress, the process had amazing. And I still work with them now, had fantastic results. And that was the first time I'm like, oh, wow, you know, I can charge a significant amount of money. And, and have a really good time and have people who see really great results. Yeah. Um, but what I still hadn't done then is I hadn't 
systemized my marketing of it. I hadn't kind of, it was like a one-off. Um, and then I started working with a guy uh, last summer and he helped me create, well, like as he told me to create a 12-week program and he showed me like how to market it. Um, and it's sort of an evolution of everything I've done to date, which I absolutely love. And and off the back of that, I've realized kind of, all right, this is how you consistently make an income. This mm -hmm. is how like you have these processes in place that you hit that, you know, like now my, my monthly income like is unbelievable. Like if I'd had that just for one month, like two years ago, I would have been amazed. And it, and it, now it's easy to hit every month. And I don't know if you find that it's really funny. And I, this might be about mindset that um, when it feels hard to you, it always feels hard to make that number and it and and the numbers feel impossible to hit and maybe you hit it once but you're like oh that's a, that's a fluke and I won't hit it next month when you consistently start hitting it that number feels easy and it becomes easy and it's almost like you can't even go kind of go, you can't go like what's changed or what's different like why mm -hmm. is it so easy to make that money now when it was so hard for all those years and I think part of it is that that mindset that you just don't have those hang-ups you do things more fluidly like you're comfortable about marketing because you know what you're selling is great you know how to sell it people are seeing that and trust what you do and, and it suddenly I guess the analogy I heard years ago in a business is like you're turning this handle trying to get something going and when you first start turning it's really hard and you're putting a lot of energy in and it's not really moving very fast but you keep doing it and after a while it loosens up and then it takes minimal effort, but you're getting like almost like you're standing back and it's whirling around on its own. And it really feels like that, but you still, you have to keep cranking it. You can't give up. I, there's, we're talking about so many things here. I love it. It's just so great. What I'm, what I'm pulling out of this and what you're saying to me is that there's layers, right? And, and I want to tie this back in because I want to go, what I love about your story, you know, you're seven and a half years in, you've now got the income that you want, you're earning what you're worth, you know, it's, it's going the way you want it to go. You've leaned into coaching and systems and processes and planning, which is really, really important. Um, but, you know, I want to go back to the very beginning. This started with an idea to help people to put a message out there. You used social media very cleverly to get that message out. You built your audience. You built that know, like, and trust factor. So once you were ready to learn how to do sales and learn how to put packages together, then what I love is that the audience was there and you could then leverage the audience that you had built to then create you know, the business of your dreams, the one that you'd always hoped for and dreamt about. And I really want people to understand that, that this is a process, that if you're going to launch a business, you're going to make a lot of mistakes, but you've got to be open-minded to learning and surround yourself with like-minded people and people who believe in you and and know that it's achievable. You know, I love the book, Everything is Figure Outable by Marie Forleo. I say that all the time, but it's such a great book. It's and But I think the thing is, is you've got to get your brain working towards a solution what you focus on grows, you know? Mm -hmm. And interestingly enough, um, uh, Hannah, I didn't have, uh, I have a, a very interesting, um, you know, possibly different situation than you because what I, what I realized is I didn't have a very healthy relationship with money. And, uh, you know, and I, I, very similarly to you, I, I never, the business, I could always pay my bills. I always paid my bills on time. I, you know, the business always paid for itself. I never paid myself. 
Um, but even as the business grew, uh, because I hadn't shifted my relationship with money, it, it, it didn't, you know, even though the business was growing, I still had this kind of money in, money in, money in, money out mentality. And shifting that to actually, you know, holding on to money and then, you know, growing and then, you know, paying myself properly. That's still something that I, I'm working on. But I know that um, there's there's just all these different phases in building a business. And, you know, wherever you are in that phase, you know, the building the audience phase or the launching your first product phase or creating your first funnel phase or, you know, building your empire phase, whichever phase you're in, you have to kind of go through those. And there's learnings in each level there. Um, would you say that figuring out your pricing is one of the most important uh, things that you can do to shift things? Um, and I guess that's the first question. And then the second question is, how important is your mindset and your relationship with money when it comes to pricing? Um, so, yeah, pricing, absolutely. Um, and it's really funny. When I work with people, one of the first things that we look at is often their pricing. and I generally will encourage them to kind of charge more. One of the things I do is I get them to actually work out how much they're earning per hour, which is always a shock to them. <laughs> they always assume they're earning far more than they do because they don't take into account um, extra time they spend in their business. And if anyone's done our pricing challenge, they will know that that's a kind of a big part of it. Um, and, I, and what I find is when I encourage people to set the right prices for what they do, they find that actually their business grows. They attract more clients and they attract better clients because the kind of clients that want something really cheap aren't the ones that are appreciative, aren't the ones that are easy. Um, so, yeah, pricing is absolutely fundamental to, to being successful, not only to be able to earn what you need to earn, but actually it, it helps you sell. Because if you think about it, our psychology around pricing, if something is cheap, it's because it's unwanted. So it's end of the end of the line. No one's bought it. It's out of season. It's old stock. It's damaged. You know, shops don't discount something that sells well and that is a great product. They discount stuff that no one else wants or is, is some is some way defective or un, unwanted. So when we see cheap things, we kind of think, why is that so cheap? You know, and I'm not I, I never advocate overcharging at all. But if you price something at the right price, people will want to buy it. If you price it and pricing is scary, but and, and 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 people are when I when I encourage women to put their prices up, like I, when I do my webinars, I talk about Laura, CV writer, and she, I mean, she's got you know a really successful corporate background, became a CV writer, thought that she was making good money until I showed her, like she was earning something like six pounds an hour, mm -hmm. and she was shocked. And so we reworked our packages. We looked at her pricing. We did a competitive analysis. It wasn't just a kind of like guesswork, which is what most people price by, but we did proper pricing um, research. And he went in with really, really ambitious pricing that was actually appropriate to what she was doing. And she's she's been booked out ever since, but she was really scared to change her prices. And in fact, she's raised her prices twice since then. Um, and it is scary, but if you get your pricing right, then then you'll attract people. And what I also, one of the things I, I really get in mindset, you know, is really a big part of this because what it is, is we kind of, what we do is we put ourselves in the shoes that people are buying from us and we think, oh, they can't afford it and um, they won't think we're worth it. They think we're having a laugh or we're kind of too, like, too up ourselves because we think we're, too, you know, we're worth this money. And actual fact, your pricing has got nothing to do with your customers' beliefs or thoughts. It's all about 
What's the marketplace? What's the value of what you offer in that marketplace? What is realistic for that customer's affordability? What's the value of what they're paying for? How they might psychologically feel about your pricing is not your business. There are people who will just think, oh, that's I'm never going to pay that for that when they're not your customer. But for every customer, there'll be someone who is. You need to find them. So pricing, when we when we put too much emphasis on how will our audience feel about the pricing, we're never going to price right because we're going to like price down and down and down and down so that we're not earning good money for what we do. And it's unattractive to purchase because they'll go away and they'll buy something that is priced correctly. So, yeah, there's so much psychology. You know, I and you probably there's something that, that if you do anything about psychology money, I get people to do their money stories. And it's amazing what comes up in that and how people feel about or, or they're kind of like it's a revelation. Like, oh, my gosh. Um, one person I worked with, one of her customers overpaid her by 200 pounds once because I said she was charging too little. And still that wasn't a sign for her until she worked with me. Um, but, yeah, I mean, your customers don't they feel bad about about underpaying you but if that's all you're asking for then that's what they'll pay you um, I, I want to just I want to there's one thing you said that was really important and I and, and I want to really re-highlight that okay the people who don't want to pay the price that you're asking for they're the difficult people the people and can we just like, like if you're multitasking come back to us like but Hannah and I have both experienced this Okay, so, you know, if someone's haggling for price or if they're saying, you know, I just can't afford it or whatever, they will never see the value of what you're doing anyway because they're so blinded by the price. So, I mean, I just, I want to also just, I mean, I I talked about this in my social media mistakes um, masterclass, but one of the big mistakes I made when I was building websites was I was charging 128 pounds to do, to build a website. And my husband said, there's no way that that, and I thought it took me four hours. There's no way that takes you four hours. He said, you, I want you to start tracking your hours. And so I started tracking my hours and I worked out, it took me a hundred hours to build a website. Wow. <laughs> so I was earning one pound 28 and that doesn't include all the admin and the invoicing and all that stuff. And so my husband, then when we, when we added in those hours, all the time I was spending corresponding with the client and blah, blah, blah. Um, it ended up being like 89 P an hour was, was my hourly rate. <laughs> so, you know, I just want you to know that this does happen where you think that you've, you've got a good price and a good deal, but actually you, cause you're not tracking what's happening on the back end. You don't actually know the true cost. And, um, we did a podcast with uh, Janine, um, Liston last week. And so if you haven't listened to that, definitely go back to that. She w- she worked for a company where there was a product they were selling for 10 pounds but they worked out that when they um, took into account the labor that it took to build that product and then the fact that it had the safety trap on it, uh, that it was actually worth uh, about 200 pounds. Uh, you know, if they if they priced it with the 10, you know, the 10 times cost. Um, and so it was very interesting. I mean, it was worth like 750 pounds. Anyway, they, they, they found a price, the point that worked and it became a very profitable product. But I think what people, you know, there's there's two aspects to pricing. Uh, one is the value that the customer is going to get, but they have to believe that the value is there. Uh, and then the, and like you said, the, they're looking at all the other products that are out there and they're perceiving more expensive sometimes as more valuable. Uh, and then the other side of that is, is just knowing how, what it costs you to deliver as well. Mm-hmm. You know, just being aware of that on a very basic level. Um, so I, I cut you off there, but I just, I wanted everyone to come back because what Hannah said is so true. If you have 
a customer that uh, is difficult or haggling for price or doesn't see the value, they are not your ideal customer. They're not your ideal customer. And like Hannah said, you your ideal customer is out there. The customer that wants to pay you in full happily, they exist. And they're the ones that you want to work with. And there's and like you said, there's the customers that'll pay you extra. Um, you know, it's so, so important to lean into those customers because they exist and you've got to go find them. So carry on, carry on. I just wanted to stop you for a second and just make sure people heard that, that the most difficult customers are the yeah. ones that you don't want to pay. I mean, Rachel's just put up this um, this one that says, uh, how do you deal with customers who want everything for nothing? And okay. you don't. <laughs> you do, you no, no. And I, I'm, and I have a really good reframe for this, like which makes it easier for you to say no. So I've got a friend, Carrie, who I started TLC with. She lives in, in, in south of France. And she just does all, all my design and, and branding today. And she works as a freelancer from home. And a client once said to her, they were on the coast, just up the coast from her. And they said, oh, we want to start working with you, but we want to meet you first and kind of suss you out. So can you drive to our offices and spend an afternoon with us? So she worked out it was a seven hour round trip for her to drive there, plus four hours of being on site. And she was just going to say, well, yeah, I want the work. I said, OK. I said, but you need to go back to them and say, this is how much it's going to cost for me to do that. This is what my time is worth. This is what my travel's worth. You know, and your time traveling is time you're not spending working. So that's they need to pay for that. And she was really uncomfortable about it. I said, well, look at the other way. Why don't you say to them, actually, no, I can't come to you, but why don't you come on a Sunday up to my place? And we can do it then. And I said, and then they're having to travel to you and it's on their their home, their free time, not their paid time. And do you think that they would do the same? I said, of course they wouldn't. And I said, well, why would they expect that of you? You know, so we often, we kind of, we we accept things from other people that, so if someone's asking you for nothing, think what their business is. Let's say they had a restaurant and you went to that restaurant and said, oh, can I eat for nothing, please? <laughs> or they have a type business. Can you photograph me for nothing? Of course they're going to say no. So why would they expect it from you? Yeah. And also they do not respect you when they get it for free. They think you're a bit of a mug. I just say, you know, they, they do not respect you. The people that respect you are the ones that pay for your time. You know, when I work with freelancers, I never haggle with them. They give me their rates. You know, obviously I can decide, do I think that's a fair rate for what they're doing? If it's not, well, then I'll go for someone else. But I work with them at the price they pay me because I think everyone deserves a fair wage. And those are the clients you need to work for. Um, and there's a really interesting kind of way of looking at things. There's, I was reading an article about, the day about willingness to pay and how much that is important, how that influences price of things. And what people, what we all do, we all say this, we'll say, I can't afford something. What we actually mean is I don't value something. Yeah. When, they say, when they say they can't afford something, I mean, I don't value it. I can't afford it means I don't value it. This is huge. If you're watching this, if you're listening to this, that what Hannah just said is so huge. I can't afford it is equal to I don't value it. Absolutely. Because there's always money there. So the, to illustrate this, um, I always tell the story, my friend and I, I've got a really good friend. And in lockdown, her husband's not well. So I was shopping for her. Now, she spends about £200 a month on her hair. Like she has like goes to the salon. I spend 25 pounds a month on my hair. <laughs> I think I spend 10 pounds a month on the box that I sometimes use to dye my yeah, hair. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. When I was on offer in Superdrug, that's what I use to dye my hair. And my friend cuts it for me. So, um, uh, so, uh, and, and so I would say I can't afford to spend 200 pounds a month going to a hair salon. What I actually mean is I'm not interested in that. Now, I really like nice wine. So, I don't buy cheap wine. I buy expensive wine and I, and I buy expensive cheese, like, because I love that. I love and it, 
Yeah. So when I was shopping for my friend in lockdown, I was aghast. I went. I was at a supermarket once. She said, "Can you get me some Pinot Grigio?" And I said, "Okay. Which brand do you like? Just whatever's the cheapest." <laughs> oh my! I don't even want to. I don't even want to put that in my trolley. And she and I said to her, "Why don't you buy something nicer?" And she said, oh, "I can't afford it." And I thought that was a really interesting take because actually she can afford a nicer wine, but she doesn't value a nicer wine. And, and, and that's the thing. When so when your clients say to you they can't afford something think about they will be spending more than that money on something else so they don't particularly need but that's where they see their value so never let a client say i can't afford it never reduce your price because they say they can't afford it it just means that they don't value what you're selling oh okay well i have to share a story now because this is a perfect time to do it so i um was uh i was going to raise my prices uh this i mean and those of you who've been following tech Pixie's journey the social media magic course has changed in price over as I've gained in confidence in the value of it. But what was really um, interesting for me was I um, going into lockdown, right? So lockdown happened. I'd made the decision pre-lockdown, pre-COVID, I'd made the decision to raise my prices. And then COVID hit and everyone, you know, was not sure about their jobs. A lot of people lost jobs. A lot of people went on furlough, all this stuff. And I panicked. And I thought, oh, gosh, you know, can I raise my prices or should I should I just claw back and go back to the old prices, you know? And um, and I read a book called um, Fear is Not the Boss of You by Jennifer Allwood. And it was so good. It was so convicting. And I even direct messaged her on Instagram. And I was just like, you know, I've like binge listened to your book over the weekend. And I said, I just needed a huge a cup of courage and you gave it to me. So she has this um, saying that says that confidence comes from doing things that you've never done before and realizing you didn't die, right? So, you know, if you don't have the confidence, you grab the courage. And and I guess that what for me, what happened over reading that book over the weekend was I I had made that decision to raise the prices because the value of what I was offering was was higher. And even though we were going into lockdown, even though we were going into a, an uncertain future, I was certain of the value. And I uh, and I decided to stick with it. I decided not to reduce the prices. I decided to raise the prices. I decided to stick with them. And we do have a scholarship program. So people who are on universal credit or PIP or ESA, you know, we we do support them and give them partial scholarships. But I I was I, I knew people could could, you know, I knew the value of it. And I just had this mindset that the right people will come. I will find the right people. The right people will come. The right people will find me. And we will, you know, move forwards with those people. And in the end, we, it was the first time I had a hundred women join in a single round. It was, it was the most exciting uh, round we'd ever done at that point. We, you know, we always do a free training series in, in advance of the big program. And, and when it was all said and done, I, I couldn't believe I almost stepped back. You know, I almost stepped back. I almost went backwards. And I instead, I was very scared, but I moved forwards anyway. And I didn't die. <laughs> and we had, you know, one of the best, um, one of the best launches we'd ever had at that point. And so it was a really interesting uh, thing for me. But going back to that value thing, you know, I, I always find it interesting because if you talk to someone who says, oh, I can't pay for that or I can't afford that, then you ask them questions like, oh, so you don't have Internet. Or, oh, you don't have, you don't have cable TV or you don't have a, a smartphone or you don't go to Starbucks every day, right? Like the, people do value things and they do spend money on things and they, you know, and, and what you find is like, for example, Starbucks, I mean, I don't go to Starbucks anymore because I now understand the concept of, uh, you know, the latte factor, but the latte factor is this, you know, if you spend 
let's say now it's, I don't know, 10 pounds a, a day at Starbucks. Well, in a year's period, you're spending 3,650 pounds. And over a 10 years period, you spent 36,000 pounds on coffee, right? I mean, that's just very simple math here. But that 36,000 pounds, you could have put as, you know, you could have started a business off of that, right? So it, I, I think what you're saying is so important. You know, people are spending money. It's just where they're, where they're choosing to spend their money. Um, and, and that goes for a business owner too. You know, you can choose not to spend money on a business coach. You can choose not to spend money on courses that are going to help you advance yourself. Or you can use some of your revenue to do that and then move to a higher, a higher level in your business. Um, so gosh, I just, I, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I thought that was, important. I think we both have experienced that where, you know, we've raised prices and been nervous about it, but then, it, you know, it was the right thing to do. Um, definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and what I find is that, you know, if something is like, we get it really cheap, you're free, we don't value it and we don't do it properly versus when we pay a lot of money for something we really we get more out of it you've got it's more skin in the game as the expression but we've put more into it so therefore we're going to get more out of it and it's more enjoyable to work with people who are engaged and 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 actually people who have invested in themselves because they are they want a better result and they're more likely to go and get it yeah, no, exactly. So once you get your pricing up and all that stuff, so then how do you, uh, what's, what's the next step? You know, you've got, so you've, you finally have your value. You feel like you've got the pricing right. Then, then what, then what happens? So one of the things, and I, and I know like this is something that, that you mentioned and it's really, really important. And I'd really advise anyone in who's got a service based business like social media manager, do not price per hour. Get away from hourly pricing. You do not want, people aren't paying for your input, they're paying for your output. They're paying for the results you get. And if you're a better social media manager, why should you run the same as someone who's maybe starting out? So it's not your client's business, how long you spend on it. They're paying for a result. Sell them a result and then go deliver that result. Don't pay them, don't get them to, in the mindset of they're paying you for three hours. And that, that's what you're, you're going to charge them. You know, you know, build packages, build products that you can sell them. So and Hannah, then, I just was teaching this in the strategy module this morning. I was saying, let's move away from hourly pricing. Let's move towards packaging pricing because that's so yes. important. So talk about package pricing. How do you how do you do that? How do you make sure that you 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 get the 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 pricing of the package right and what you include in it and what you not include in it? How do you decide that? Okay, so so it's all about results. Clients pay for results, don't they? Like if, if I said to you, um, okay, I can get you like 100,000 followers on Instagram. Um, and I'm going to like, all I'm going to do is do a magic dance once a day. That's it. <laughs> it's going to cost you 100 pounds. Versus I'm going to get you 100,000 followers on Instagram. It's going to cost you 100 pounds. I'm going to do this, 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 and this, and this. Like which one they're going to buy? Actually, they don't really care. They don't care what goes on in the middle. They care about what they want. So it's about selling them the results they want. It's about understanding their business, understanding their business goals, understanding also for, for you as well with your social media expertise, understanding the right metrics they should be looking at. I mean, having 100,000 followers who aren't in your country if you're a local business, who aren't your ideal customers, and who aren't engaged with you. I mean, I see people buying followers and buying likes all the time on Instagram. And I think, well, why? It's pointless. It's vanity. You can still do that? I didn't even know you could do that anymore. Yeah, no, no, no. Like a lot of coaches do that. And <gasps> I feel like I see people 
putting up like a post and like it's got 400 followers uh, 10 minutes later and like one comment or like they've got all their comments are like just on fire or like you once you look at it you can see I know the people who who are who are by them and some of them are quite big as well anyway but that's that's kind of an aside it's all about you as a social media manager understanding the businesses you're working with and what's really social media mean to them like it's not about social media followers for the sake of it it's like understanding what you know do they want awareness of their business do they want awareness to a particular target audience do they are they actually wanting to sell products are they wanting traffic to their site understand what they need and then and then put your package together for things that you know that are going to help them achieve that and then price for the value it's worth to them it doesn't matter what you put into it. It matters what they gain, what they gain out, get out of it. Um, and never be tempted. Like when I, I used to be a freelance copywriter and I was really good and really fast. If I told people my actual hourly rate, no one would ever have hired me because they would have gone, oh, I just can't afford you. So I would just, if they came to me for a quote and they said, how much you charge per hour or per day? And I would say that's not an accurate measure. What I can do in an hour is not comparable to other people it might be more it might be less it might be higher quality but it's on the measure of quality tell me what you want and i'll give you a price for what you want yeah. so i would always price them for, for you know the ultimate package now sometimes i'd earn a thousand pounds an hour and they were really delighted with what they got they felt it's really good value for money because they'd had no idea actually i was really good and really experienced um so it doesn't really matter the um a really good example of how pricing per hour doesn't work was um I had this roofer once he was he was the best roofer well he still is the best roofer ever I mean he you never want to get him talking about roofs because he just he's got photographs of every roof he's ever done and you know like it, yeah but he's he loved, about roofs he's like, I know like who knew there was so much to say but he loves roofing and he he was doing our roof once and he was saying oh he was having problems with one of his customers now she wanted to repair he looked at it and said it's two days work so she'd have fine you know, two days work, I don't know, like 900 pounds, whatever he, he was charging for it. Um, but he realized quite quickly a new job was, was, was starting like one day in. So he worked twice as hard. He got up really early. He was on site at like 6 a.m., worked till like 9 p.m. or something. And he got someone to help him for half the day. So he finished the job in one day. And when he submitted his invoice, the customer refused to pay it because she said, it's a two day job. You only did one day. And she hadn't cared about the fact that he put the hours in as far as she was concerned he'd priced per time and you know and I said to him like never price for time again price for job you price the value of your roof being fixed you do not price for you know he might be the best roof ever and fix it like in an hour but it's still worth what someone else does in two days but also and this is so important because this goes back to the website thing right so what I eventually did when I was selling websites was I worked out a system that dramatically reduced from 100 hours down to 25 hours. But that does not mean I charge, I reduce my price 75%, right? It's, it's, and that's exactly what you just said there is the roofer. He's really good. He's really experienced. He's really passionate about roofing. He's been doing it for years. What he can do in one hour takes someone else two days, but he charges for the two days because that's the value of what he's doing because he's so good at it. And I think that's the other thing, too, is as you become, particularly in social media, as you become better at it, you know, someone who's just starting out and someone who's two years in, their ability to create an engaging post is going to be very different. Someone who's just starting, they're going to be experimenting and whatever. Someone who's two years in, they know what works and know what doesn't work. And so you know that they're going to put something up and it's going to work. It's going to get engagement. It's going to drive traffic, et cetera. So I think, you know, what you what you charge two years later is not what you charged when you first started. Mm -hmm. 
But I really love separating that hourly rate and and thinking about what it's what is worth to the customer to have that thing done for them. And like with the roof, you know, not having water coming in on your head at night when it's raining, <laughs> you know, it's and then you have a bad guy who or you know guy who doesn't know what he's doing versus a guy who knows what they're doing. You know, it's very different. Um, there's also like there's also like a really good story about pricing and I, I do a pricing masterclass that kind of unpicks all the psychology of pricing and in it I tell the story of Grey Goose Vodka so you know Grey Goose Vodka was created because the guy that started it saw a gap in the market like an untapped market of premium vodka no one was there no one like think Smirnoff at the time was the most expensive vodka so he created a product that he already he created a product that he knew what the price point was he started with the price and then created the product to fit that price and he branded it really cleverly and actually in taste tests he does it's no better than any other vodka but he 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 created a story around the, the the production of it. He created beautiful packaging. When he sent it out to bars and barmen, he sent it in like wooden crates with like, like straw around it, and you know like bottles that would look good on the shelf, so that barmen would kind of go, "Oh, this is a really premium vodka," and they would sell it to the customers. And it was a really clever thing because Grey Goose Vodka was a phenomenally successful product that was way more expensive than anything else, but it worked. And it's a really good example of how actually. You can go in at any price point as long as you've got the story to back it up, as mm. long as the presentation, you know, you can't go in with a package, a social media package is really expensive. If, if everything looks shoddy, if you, if you haven't got the marketing behind it, you haven't got the story, you presented it poorly, you know, you do have to have the stuff backing that, that price point up. But if you have got that backing it up, then go in at the price point that you want to go at. Well, that's wonderful. And we've got a question here that I want to have you answer. But before we do that, just tell people where they can find out about your pricing course. And do you still run your social media manager course as well to teach social media managers how to how to package pro properly? Or has everything moved to the new pricing course? Uh, no, so it's a pricing masterclass. It's, uh, if you go on talentedladiesacademy.com and you'll see that the pricing masterclass is on there. Um, it's like a one-off, like I think it's about an hour-long class um, and there's some like printables as well, but it's all about like the psychology and it's so important how you feel about pricing and how you detach yourself from your customers. You know, you're not, you can't be empathetic when it comes to pricing. Yes, you have to deliver value to your clients, but you cannot, if you're too empathetic, then you'll, you'll never get the price you want and they won't respect you. Um, but um, yeah, I do have, I mean, I'm not currently, um, like launching it. I mean, if people are interested in that, I have got a program that teaches social media managers all about kind of how they sell themselves. Um, and if they're interested in let you know, I can kind of open it up for, for Tech Pixies again. Um, it is really popular and worked really well in the past. Um, and it's got everything in there about, it's got the pricing masterclass. It's got all about the, it's got the practical stuff about pricing and it's got the, the psychological and mindset stuff about pricing. And it's oh, got yeah. things like how, how you present your work, all those things. So if people are interested in let you know, I well, can we details. Yeah, let's do that. Now, there's a question that's come in, which is a great question. Uh, and I know you're going to have a wonderful answer to this. So um, the question is, so if you price per package and the customer wants to know how long, then how do you tell them how long it will take? Um, well, you don't. It's like you go, if you go into a restaurant and you go, um, so the fish and chips, madam, is £10. And you say, well, how much do you pay for the fish? <laughs> It's the equivalent of that. It's not your business. It's not how much they paid for the fish because it's not their business how long it takes you. Um, so what do you say to them? Do you say, well, if you go to a fish shop, do you ask them how much the fish costs? I mean, how do you 
Is it so you can say it takes as long as it takes to deliver the results that it's going to deliver? You know, like it, it, it takes as long as it takes to get that result. I, and I would, I would actually do the politician thing. I wouldn't even answer the question. I would kind of deflect and just say it varies from client to client and customer to customer. Um, I basically put as much hours in as I need to to deliver the results that, that you want to get. And then I, uh, and actually the thing that I did. So, I'm really good at job interviews. Generally, I get every job I apply for as long as I'm an appropriate candidate for it. And one of my kind of things I stumbled across in it, I never say no. So like, I- Oh yes, I love, the, are you gonna teach your no butt trick? Yes. Yes. This is so, so good. If someone says to you, you know, do you do this or can you do this? You don't go, no, because that's the end of the conversation. And you say, so either like, I haven't done that yet, but I have done this and you immediately move away. So. To answer that question, I would say um, it, it really varies. Um, I put in the hours that I need to deliver the results that you want like this. And then you put a case study in. So you put like the, the, the work I did for this. So find a client that wants a similar result with a similar type of business. So let's say it's another restaurant and you go, you know, um, I worked with this restaurant and I was able to get them 300 new followers in a week. So what you really want to do is you want that's kind of like above kind of above board sleight of hand you don't want them to focus on oh she she won't tell us how many hours because actually it's really not their business you want to go have a look at this shiny thing over here no so but this is so good so so you, what you're doing is you're you know what their objections are going to be right you know what they like so if you're someone who helps grow engagement if you're someone who helps grow a following if you're someone who helps get more sales whatever it is but if you have case studies i love this idea of like one page case studies that basically speak to the objections that your customer has yeah. so that you're basically so it's not about the it's not about the hours and it's not about the hourly rate it's about the results i think yeah. if anyone if you take anything away from this 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 call there are so many gold nuggets in here but one of those nuggets is focus on the results right and 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 if you can then show people that you've gotten results for other people then it kind of takes away that fear. So building up that portfolio of those one page case studies is really important because that does help uh, when people kind of go, when, when that happens, then you've got yeah, a way. Just, just send, send them a case study. And, and um, I, when I work with people um, on my courses, one of the things I get them to do is actually list down the objections to purchase. Write down, you know, I can't afford you. Um, you know, how do I know I'm going to get value from you? All the things that people, people might have said to you, people might say to you, and then actually pre-prepare it and go, what can you say to to counter that? Um, and what resources do you have? What case studies and examples have you got? So that when that does come up, and and one of the things I say to people is, don't ignore the elephant in the corner. Like shine a torch on it and go. There's that elephant because they're going to be thinking about it, whether they say it to you or not. So I would actually have FAQs and I would make my FAQs out of the objections to purchase. I would write blogs about them. I would have, you know, a blog about why I, why I don't price per hour. I would make that a blog. I, you know, and you can actually link to that. And if someone asks you again, well, how many hours I want to know how many hours you're spending on it and go, well, you know, have a look at this blog that I've written about this. I get asked that a lot. Here's why I don't, why I don't tell people per hour. Be, don't be, Never be running scared in your business. Never let a client make you feel bad or make you feel like you've got to explain yourself. It's your business. They can choose to work with you or not to work with you. And, and you, you can choose to work with them or not exactly. to work with them. 
And that was one of the things I said in the strategy module. I said, if you if you look at their objectives and you look at what they want and you feel like you can't deliver that or you not in like the I'm an imposter way, but in the they what they want is not in line with what is actually possible within what you know and your knowledge, you know, feel free to say you're not right. I mean, I talked about going for a job once and um, I said they said they wanted it to reach a half million people by a certain period of time. And I was like, that's a 10 year job, not a two year job. And I think it's really important to know what is doable and what's not doable and know that you can say no if it's not right for you. If you feel like you can't deliver what they want you to deliver, you can you can say this isn't right for me. Absolutely. And, and that, like I say, never feel like you're on the back foot. They should want to work with you as much as you want to work with them. And when you get that kind of mindset and you're not constantly chasing off thinking, gosh, I really hope they work with me. I'd be so lucky if they work with me. Think about the other way around. They should want to work with you. Yeah, exactly. All right, let's close on this uh, because I've taken so much of your time, but I love this. So this is one of our tech pixies, Julie Garner. And she says, long story short regarding pricing, the invoice read, tapping the engine with a hammer, $1, knowing where to hit the hammer, $999. And I would just add one tiny, really quick story that's really similar. That's a really good example, Julie. So it's a really famous story in advertising. And it happened in the 80s. And I can't, let's say the product was like Weetabix or something. It was, it was a cereal. I remember that much. And the brand hired this really famous craze director to come up with a strap line. He went away and like half an hour later, he came, he came back and said, here's a strap line. Like, Brilliant. Send us your bill. And he sent them a bill for like, I don't know, like 45,000 pounds, <laughs> something ridiculous. And they said, we're not paying 45,000 pounds of half an hour's work. And he said, no, you're paying it for like 30 years experience, which is really exactly the same as that. And, and, and that's the thing. The better you get at it, the more you should be charging. That's mic drop moment. We're going to leave it at that. Hannah, it's been wonderful to hang out with you. Thank you so You're much. A ball of energy, but also you know your stuff. And we will definitely be linking to your pricing masterclass and encouraging our audience to go and check that out, uh, as that is a very uh, contentious issue for a lot of women. What, what, what I'll do, Joy, is um, I will send you some details afterwards. With I'll do like a special offer if anyone does want it. So like um because i generally like next month in black friday i'd reduce our masterclass anyway so what i'll do is i'll do the black friday offer for your people anyway um and i will open up the social media money maker course like literally like just for this podcast and seeing details about that and i'll give people an offer on that as well just because i like you know i know it's really helpful and it's kind of like an extension of what i've talked about today so make sure you're on the mailing list. Uh, if you go to techpixies.com forward slash weekly dash tips, make sure you're on the list because you will not get those links unless you're on the list and the email will go out uh, in a couple of weeks when we get this all processed. And so 100% uh, make sure you're on the mailing list for that. And of course, all our Tech Pixies will get that as well. So thank you, Hannah, so much for your time. Thank you so much for anyone who's watched. I hope that was helpful. And, was and just great. like obey not obey all the rules but just follow the advice in this like do not undercharge anybody please don't okay we'll end with that have a wonderful week everybody thank you bye